Welcome to the Remote Leadership Podcast. I'm Deborah Dinocenzo, and I'll be your host and guide as we explore new challenges and proven keys to success for leaders and teams who must get results from a distance. For more than two decades, I've helped organizations and leaders successfully go virtual. Now that we're all on a trajectory toward the next normal of work from anywhere and hybrid teams, I'm excited to share with you the insights and expertise that thousands of leaders and teams have acquired through my books, coaching, training, and presentations. Join me to learn tips, techniques, and skills that leaders and teams in your organization can implement now to achieve effectiveness in our evolving remote workplace. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the Remote Leadership Podcast. I am very excited today to have with us my guest, Tim Rangillian. Tim and I have known each other for a long time. I would 14 say 14 years. 14 maybe. years, maybe, yes. And um, so I wanted to um, ask Tim to join us today to, uh, to talk about his organization and the impact that COVID had and maybe is continuing to have on culture in the organization. And I'll just share that Tim and I talked at the very beginning of COVID, way back, the really early stages when none of us really knew what was going on and how it was going to impact things. So Tim was uh, sharing with me some of his concerns about how the culture would be protected and some of the ways that they were inculcating the culture with new um, team members. And so we'll share more about that as we go on. But I'd just like to say, Tim, thank you for joining me today. It's my pleasure. Thanks for so, having me. Tell us a little bit about what you do. Sure. I'm with a public company that's a consulting firm called FTI Consulting. Um, and FTI overall focuses on issues that are sort of critical events in the life of an organization. So that may be litigation, bankruptcy, investigations, um, regulatory issues, you know, those kinds of events. Critical, they sound scary to me. Generally, they are, <laughs> yeah, you know, sort of existential kinds of issues. Okay. Um, my work is all in the healthcare space, and healthcare is one of the most regulated industries we have. So every healthcare organization is either trying to put in place the right things to stay out of trouble, to stay on the right side of all those rules and regulations, or is dealing with some sort of non-compliance that they have to investigate and address and prevent from happening going forward. So I work across the healthcare spectrum with a team that consists of statisticians, clinical people, data analysts, um, regulatory experts, operational experts, but dealing with these complicated healthcare regulatory issues. Okay. So your team pre-COVID and probably now increasingly is back together face-to-face which sounds like that's probably a pretty critical aspect of how they work together, unless they're on site with a client. Well, that's right. Yeah. Um, and and it's, it's really some of both, and it can vary from project to project. But there's, there's a, you know, a lot of work that we do in our offices, especially when we're dealing with data and data analytics. Um, but there is also work out at client sites where we are uh, reviewing operations, interviewing client personnel, making presentations to management. So all of those different you know, modes of work are part of what we do. Okay. So was it um, 
when when COVID happened and you know we all went into lockdown and everybody had to go home, mm-hmm. you sent everyone home. I mean, your company sent everyone home like everybody else. That's right. How, how did you all function then? Well, I was very honest with everyone and told them I thought this might last longer than two weeks, and it <laughs> turns out I was I was spot on. But yeah, I mean, if you remember when this first happened, incredible uncertainty, right? right I mean, it, right. everybody went home and we didn't know what was next or what that would mean. And so, you know, initially we were just trying to stay in close contact with our team. So, yeah. you know, having group Zoom meetings, lots of one-on-one calls, lots of emails, just buy whatever information we had. But one of the first really critical points we hit in that was that we had already extended offers to summer interns. We have an annual summer internship program, and we had new hires that were slated to start in the summer. And as you know, the first weeks of the pandemic went by, and we began to realize this is going to take a lot longer than we were initially right. thinking. To you, know, it wasn't just waited out for two weeks and then the disease is gone. We realized, you know, a lot of the firms around us were canceling those summer internships, or were deferring new hires, or in some cases even rescinding offers. And we had to really look internally and say, what are we going to do about that? Because you know, it would you know, feel like a breach of trust with those people to whom we had already extended offers if we changed that. But at that point, we also had no confidence that it could work, that we could take on new people, that we could effectively run an intern program. At least not in the traditional way that you'd taken them on, which is bring them into the office. And as I recall, go out for dinner and then go axe throwing. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly right. Um, A a critical part of Culture development. Axe throwing is all always <laughs> integral to any good culture. But yeah, no, that's exactly right. So it was a question first of, are we going to go forward with these new hires and with these interns? And second, if so, what is that going to look like? Because you're right, it had been an intensively in-person experience. Yeah. Lots of hands-on learning, lots of social activities. And those were the ways that we really communicated about what we do and what we're like as a team together, you know, what our culture is. Yeah. And so thinking about those challenges in this radically different context in a really short period of time, because we didn't have a lot of time to completely reconfigure our internships, we really had to lean into that to figure out how to make it happen. Yeah. So did you go through a process then of bringing to greater consciousness the culture that you were trying to instill and protect in a way that hadn't been as conscious before? Yes and no. I mean, I would say on the one hand, you know, within our team of of folks in the healthcare practice, we, prior to COVID, had a very clear sense that we had something special in our, that we had a good group of people who were talented professionals, who also were committed to each other, to each other's success, and who cared about each other personally. And there was just a great dynamic inside of that. So it had always been something we were really conscious of and that we you know, touted to recruits. But what the, the change with the pandemic did was it, it made us think differently about how we crystallized that and communicated that to others, right? Because it, you know, before it could just happen, hey, if you're with us, you'll see it. You'll, right. you'll see what we're like together and the fun that we have and the intensity we bring. That osmosis thing would right. happen. Exactly. Yeah. So you didn't have to be as intentional yeah. about it. Once you pivoted to saying, okay, we're only going to engage with each other virtually, how do, you, how do you carry that forward? Because you don't have the random funny moments in the hallway. You don't have the lunches together where a lot of the stories right. come out. So we had to think about what are the other ways that we're going to make that happen. Right. And I think many organizations are still looking at doing that in a hybrid way. And uh, with the you know, battle for talent now means that 
Many organizations are hiring people who aren't going to be on site. They're in another city or another state or another country. So I'd love to hear your insights about what you all did at that point, because I think it's still very relevant today, even though more people are back in the office, not everybody can be. Yeah. Well, you know, when we were purely virtual, you know, we, we did several things. I mean, I think we made the moves that, that most organizations made just to have regular team meetings. You know, we'd have the sort of Hollywood squares on Zoom with yeah. everybody in the group together. And, and that worked for a while, but we quickly figured out you need something more than that. So, you know, sometimes those meetings were substantive. We started doing some that were purely fun, where we would create a theme. We would show baby pictures and figure out who the baby was. We'd have... <laughs> These sort of um, two lies and a truth sessions, where yeah. you, you know people would make up two things that were untrue about themselves and one that was true, just you know different ways to try to create a little fun and energy in the group that would convey some some of that. We also set up a a sort of managed rotation of one on one calls, and and this is where I think my days have really changed yeah. because you know previously I could sort of communicate my values, my thoughts about how we do business and how we work together. Just indirectly through osmosis, as you yeah. said, people would observe that they, you know, quick conversations, little kind of teachable moments. You don't have those opportunities when you're working virtually. So we've started moving to a lot more. You know, I would have one-on-ones with each of my team members, just thirty minutes each. But you do ten or twelve of those a week. That's a lot of time. Right. And so, you know, personally, I felt my days getting longer and in some ways more draining as you're trying to convey emotion and authenticity and connection through a computer screen, you know, that level of emoting takes a lot of energy as well. It's it's very tiring. It is. Um, And I think we've all gotten stronger muscles of that over time, but particularly early on, um, it was draining, but it also felt really necessary just to give people the opportunity to see, and not just me with members of our team, but members with each other as well. So, my you know, manager would then talk to the staff and the senior consultants beneath them would do the same thing, but all around trying to come up with different permutations to make those connections. So how did you handle that first? Uh, I assume you you continued with your plans for the interns for that first summer. We did. How yeah. did you onboard them? We just did a podcast a couple of weeks ago on onboarding. So mm-hmm. um, how did you onboard them and integrate some of these techniques with your existing team, but you had to ramp that up for the new people, particularly, I would say. So talk with us a little about how you did that. Yeah, well, you know, it was it was a lot of that same kind of approach of, of creating group sessions where, you know, our group of interns could all be together on a call, hearing from one of our practice leaders about, you know, different parts of the practice. And, and the intention behind that obviously was to convey that information. Here's some of what we do and meet some yeah. of our senior people. But it was also still to try to create that sense of the intern group being a cohort unto themselves and getting to know each other through those. Because these would be people in disparate offices who were then even more disparate as a result of working remotely. But that sense of not just being you know, a new person coming into an organization, but being part of a group of people that you're going to experience all of this together as a class, that's still really important. That had been important in an in-person setting and almost more important in a virtual setting. So we wanted to facilitate some of that connection. Mm-hmm. Um, we also had to, you know, of necessity, become a lot more disciplined around specific um, kind of exposure encounters, getting people plugged into different kinds of projects. We created 
some overarching projects for the interns that were still important projects for our practice, you know, forms of research and analytics that, that were going to help our business, but that were also a steady source of activity and engagement for the interns. So they had productive things to do during the course of the summer. You know, putting all of that together with these different, you know, permutations of one-on-one -on -one conversations or small group conversations, um, the, those became the focal point to get this mix of substantive conveyance of information, but also networking and connection building in all sorts of different ways. So did you convert the interns to hires at the same rate out of that first group? So we're talking 2020. That's right. Yeah. Did they convert at the same rate? Uh, did you notice any difference in your ability to um, to bring them onto staff full time? Yeah, that's a great question. It was a real source of worry um, coming into it. But the short answer is yes, we did. We had great success with that. And, and you know, I, I think, you know, I, I would still probably argue that our ability to fully convey our culture in the traditional sense was somewhat diminished by that. It's just not the same as being in the office with a bunch of people and seeing yeah. how they act together. But it was enhanced in some ways as well because that initial decision to go forward with our commitments to these recruits and then the obvious effort that we put into their experience also communicated a lot about our values in a way that we wouldn't have necessarily been able to otherwise. So we were differentiated from some of our competitors. Mm -hmm. um, I think our interns just were grateful for the experience that they had and for how seriously we took it and how committed we were to them having a good experience. Well, especially since they probably had colleagues and peers who didn't have internships right. that summer. And so, and did they more readily adapt, do you think, to the the remote experience than some of your existing team members? Yeah, that's, that's a really great question. I, I think, you know, I mean, I, in some ways we were all adapting at the same time yeah. because these, you know, younger professionals were, you know, either still in college or fresh out of college. So they, you know, have been, you know, adjusting to the virtual experience themselves, but were also generally in group houses and with yeah. their friends. So they were adapting and, and, you know, getting used to this new, you know, form of, of working as well, but they also didn't have a frame of reference. It didn't feel right. like there was something lost. This yeah. was just still all new. Yeah. That. Just the way um, it's done. So, yeah. So did you do the same thing in 21? I'm just curious, or you, did you have those interns back uh, on, on site for in 21? So in 21, yeah, that's right. So I'm have to we're in 22. <laughs> right, I'm in the <laughs> still the ongoing time warp that is right. COVID. Um, yeah, so we actually did have some in in person experiences in the summer of 21. Okay. We didn't. We had some you know fairly rigorous policies around return to the office. You know, once the vaccines came out and and we could start to let people back into the office. We were not at, at full capacity by any means last summer, but we did have a better opportunity to bring people together, particularly in social settings. So yeah. we were, you know, as restaurants were starting to open back up, we could do some events, um, but we were also gathering. We did some picnics in in the the park in Piedmont yeah. Park in Atlanta, um, just to give people a safe outdoor opportunity to actually be with the people they've yeah. been engaging with on their computer screens for yeah. so long. Um, and there was a real hunger for that. Yeah, so it still wasn't the same, but it was beginning to, you know, weave together both forms of, of connection, right? Yeah. The virtual form with some in person. Good. You know, I find young people in college or just recently out of college very adept at the technology associated with 
uh, connecting remotely, mm -hmm. but really valuing the the in-person face-to-face time for whatever reason. Yeah. I think it's so true. Yeah. Um, and and I've I've suspected it may be somewhat different in consulting where I think there's a little bit more of a natural inclination to um, to want to connect with people and to be a self-starter, hungry for new experiences, yeah. wanting to learn new things. So for us, you know, it was relatively easy to get people to start coming in and engaging, you know, in person again, because there was a hunger for that. I mean, that's really what, you know, a lot of our younger professionals are looking for is not just the, the job experience in the sense of the subject matter of the project, but also the hands-on learning, the mentorship, the relationships yeah. internally with the firm and with clients. And so, you know, to that extent, it's been a little bit of an easier sell to get people to want to be together because they're naturally wired that way anyway. So one of the things I always like to ask leaders is what, what insights did we gain or experience did we gain from COVID that we want to carry into the future? Mm. Well, I think the biggest thing for me, and, and as we think about that process of having people to start coming back into the office, is keeping in mind that, you know, wanting to have really specific objectives for people being together. So, you know, when we were coming in the office pre-COVID, it was just default, right? It was what you did. And we were always fairly flexible about people needing to work from home for whatever reason, but it was you know, by far the exception and not the rule. As we started to think about people coming back into the office, it was, okay, well, what's, what's the point of that? What's the value in yeah. it? And being really specific and intentional about that and then making sure that those things happen. And that's how I feel about it now. I mean, regardless of the work environment, you know, our, our commitment within our team has always been, you get your job done and you've got the flexibility to get it done in whatever way makes sense for you, which means that people could do an awful lot of their work remotely. My concern is that there's something lost inside of that, yeah. right? Or, or at least there's an opportunity that's missed. And now, you know, as we go forward, People are coming back in the office more. I think it's really important that we not lose sight of what we're trying to achieve by being together. And the more we do that, that actually puts us in a stronger position, I think, than we were in before COVID happened, because now we're really thinking about that right. and making it worth people's while to be together. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I think that's a really important point. We did it kind of unconsciously before. Mm -hmm. It's just what we did. Um, I think it's particularly true in organizations that let go of a lot of real estate during COVID. And they can't bring people back it, it, all together at the same time, even if they wanted to. So they have to find new models. And then they you know, rent a hotel conference room or something right. they need to get everybody together. But then they really have to think about why, because they're paying to rent that space. Mm -hmm. yeah. and so they really have to think about what, you know, what they want to accomplish. And uh, you know, a big point for me is leverage the heck out of that face-to-face -face time that you do have, because it will yeah. increasingly be limited, I think. So... So as we wrap up here, uh, I'm curious about your two things. One, have you invented virtual X-throwing yet? <laughs> I have not yet figured that <laughs> oh, one out. I'm a big missed opportunity. <laughs> Someone's going to make a mental. Yeah, yeah exactly. I, I was counting on you to do that. <laughs> and secondly, for leaders who have to continue to onboard and integrate into their teams, uh, new team members who are going to be remote or at least remote a good chunk of the time, what advice do you have for them? Um, I think the, you know, probably two interrelated pieces of advice there. 
one obviously is that I think you need to be really um, intentional and direct in your efforts to build culture and connection. You can't rely on osmosis in a remote environment. It's too easy for people just to view their, their work as transactional. I got it done and now I'm, I'm finished and not to build those connections. So to think about how those connections can get built and why they matter and how they're mutually beneficial. I, it's not just you know, transactional to the benefit of the organization. It is actually really valuable to the individuals, but sometimes they need some help you know, seeing that or, or, or making yeah. that clear. I think the other point that connects to that is recognizing that all of your people are agents of your culture. So it's not just going to come from the leader of the practice. Uh, first of all, that wouldn't work anyway. Second of all, there's just not enough time in the day to do that. But to make part of your culture, recognizing and celebrating and transferring that culture to others, I think is really important. To, to name what it is you have, what's special about your team and about those relationships, to honor and celebrate it, and then to communicate it to others. I mean, that then it becomes a self-perpetuating thing because it's not just an employee being connected to their boss. It's a web of right. connections and right. everybody has a, a part to play in that. So even in a virtual setting, looking for ways to make that happen, to create all of those different, you know, bilateral and multilateral connections, I think is really key. Yeah. But you know what I love about that, what came to mind as you're talking about that is that, you know, every everyone's a culture ambassador. That's right. And, and if we're making that conscious and, uh, and, and keeping it conscious because it was more unconscious before, then, you know, that people are more aware of that and, um, and doing that on a day-to-day basis, which is very powerful, actually. It is. And honestly, what I've seen is that it, it really helps with the engagement of your more experienced people as well. Yeah. Now everybody feels a stake in the game. Yeah. First of all, they've, they've been able to put words to what they like about where they are. And once they start transmitting that to other people, they've now created some accountability there. If I've told you how great our place is, it's on me now to make right. it great for you, yeah. right? And that that is something that's important as well. So you you don't just quit and leave those people behind. You yeah. want to stay and continue in their growth as well. So I think there's a you know a benefit that goes up the food chain as well, which is really yeah, strong. Yeah, and think about the the impact, the positive impact of that now, where the challenge, you know, the the challenge of retaining talent is so significant this day and age so that's right everybody doing that and uh, and staying positive and continuing to focus on making the culture even better mm-hmm. um, so for talent not just attraction but retention that's right so, and even you know through covid internally we celebrated the wins when we yeah. made our internship program work we celebrated when we hired those interns it was a big deal for all of yeah. us. And we shared that glory around because that really, you know, was meaningful to everybody and everyone was part of that. Yeah. You know, one of my big messages when I talk to leaders all the time is one of the risks of being remote is we forget about celebrating successes right. I mean, because we, we knew how to do it. In, you know, when we were all together, you know, we just order a pizza and bring in some cases, some beer, but, <laughs> but, you know, we, we, it was just felt more natural. Yeah. It's um, it's harder to do. It's not necessarily harder. It's harder to remember to do it. That's right. And yeah. so, um, but it's important for people to recognize that they're being recognized when they've accomplished something. Just being able to hire and keep some interns around is a big accomplishment this day and age. Yeah, well, so, that's exactly right. Yeah. So any other thoughts you would like to share? Anything I missed asking about? <laughs> 
I don't think so, but this has been great. Thank yeah, you for including yeah. well, me in this. Okay, well, thank you for joining us. And um, I appreciate everybody listening in once again. And uh, we'll hear you on the next round. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Remote Leadership Podcast. If you found value in what you heard, share this with your colleagues. And if you haven't already, please be sure to subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player. Additional free resources and direct ways to reach me are available at remoteleadershippodcast.com. Thanks for listening and for always learning.